Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Hi, and welcome back to Woman Warriors Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Elizabeth Bonnet. She is a PhD, licensed mental health counselor, and she's certified in hypnosis and hypnotherapy. She has a practice in Hollywood, Florida, where she helps couples, pre- and postnatal moms, and people who struggle with anxiety and panic. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for joining us on the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm happy to be here. Ah, I really appreciate your taking the time. But if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the work that you do? Oh, absolutely. I decided to specialize in anxiety and as well as postpartum and prenatal. So it's really perinatal mood disorders, right? Which includes a prenatal and postpartum period. Mm -hmm. A lot due to my own experience. So I went straight through undergrad, straight through graduate school, worked for about a year and then left the field. I burned out Mm. and went into tech. And did that for a couple of years and then had kids and had pretty severe postpartum depression after both my babies. Mm. And they're about four and a half years apart. I had three miscarriages in between. Wow. So when I went back to the field, I saw a divorce coming and said, well, I've got to support myself um, by doing something other than, quote unquote, just teaching yoga, which actually yoga ended up supporting myself quite well that way. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, I really wasn't sure. I was like, I've got to go back to practice, right? I decided to specialize in prenatal and postpartum depression and anxiety. And then naturally, that led to specializing more in anxiety mm-hmm. in women in particular. But I do see men and women in my practice. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I was always attracted to hypnosis. And I eventually got training in hypnosis. And when I did that, I felt like I just found my true love. You know, I just absolutely resonated with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had taught yoga for a really long time by then. So it was a natural fit for that very soothing, calming kind of vibe, let's Mm. say. Mm -hmm. And uh, that I've been doing for years during, you know, the relaxation at the end of a yoga class. Yeah, my favorite part. Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> When women used to ask me, like, what's the pose I should practice at home? I, I used to tell them, Savasana, corpse, but like that relaxation you do at the end, that is the most important pose to practice at home. You're going to do one pose, that's it, right? Oh my so, gosh, yes. Yeah. So that was a natural fit for me because I had been leading meditations in that for many, many years. Yeah, yeah. I ended up where I am. Well, and what's interesting to me is the um, sort of the natural progression or the similarities of um, hypnosis and meditation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I don't, I am not trained in hypnosis, but have done a little reading on it. And it just feels like, I don't know, you tell me, are they similar? They are similar. Yes. Yeah, so when they study brave brainwave states, mm-hmm. it is a similar brainwave state when you go into meditation or you go into hypnosis. Okay. Now, the difference is that generally meditation, you're, it's self-led for one thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're using imagery depending on what type of meditation you're doing. Sometimes you're not, but generally you're not trying to work through, let's say, deep problems, mm-hmm. right? Or a phobia you have. It can be useful for a phobia. Absolutely, meditation can. And actually, I see meditation is very useful for decreasing anxiety overall. Yeah. So I almost always. I wouldn't even say almost. I always <laughs> recommend it to my clients <laughs> struggling with anxiety. I have breathing sheets, three different breathing exercises we go over, and then we talk about meditation. And the studies on meditation are very, very clear that it helps reduce anxiety in general so that your whole level is much, much lower. But the difference when you're talking about hypnosis is that I'm a guide during hypnosis, and generally we are trying to solve or or better a problem that's been going on in your life that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. So I know some hypnotherapists don't even like to use the word problem. They're like, no, no, don't use the word problem. We're just shifting into a new way of being. You could think of it as that way, too. It's a little esoteric for me, though. It's like, okay. yeah, no. <laughs> you know, you're coming to me with a problem. Very clearly, after I had my babies, I had a problem, a big problem. You yeah, know, and right. I was very depressed and wanted to solve that problem. You know, mm-hmm. or when I went and did hypnosis later, I was having a crisis and a very big problem that I wanted to solve. (laughs) So I am the Sherpa, I say, during a hypnosis. You have to look up the mountain, Uh but I'm Sherpa and I'm going to help get you there. I love that metaphor. Yeah. Talk to me about hypnosis and, you know, what that process, because, you know, I would imagine this stereotype of what people might bring to mind is someone sitting in a dark room with sort of a person with a crystal or a coin swinging in front of their face Uh and saying, you're (laughs) getting very sleepy, you know, like old TV style hypnosis. So talk to us about what hypnosis is really about. So there are different styles of doing hypnosis and everybody has their own style. Generally, the style that I practice and like is that I am leading you through a relaxation to get you into a hypnotic state. Okay. So that is very much, they do lie on my couch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we do a progressive body relaxation with a little bit different language than you would probably hear during when you just like download off the internet, just a regular progressive relaxation. Mm-hmm. And we're using what I what is called in the field deepener. So let's say you're walking down a staircase and with each number that I'm saying, you're taking a step down the staircase and going deeper into a hypnotic state. So it's a little bit language more similar to that, I would Mm -hmm. say, than just regular, like, you know, relax your hands, relax your feet, relax your arms, whatever that is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
They are lying on a couch, though. And then once they're in a hypnotic state, I am giving suggestions about how to better or solve what they came to me to help with. Okay. Now, that's one type I do that I call receptive. Another type that I do is inner child and the core healing hypnosis. And those types, you are going through the relaxation. You're getting into a hypnotic state. And then I'm asking you questions when you're in that hypnotic state. So I'm finding out information from you that's going to help your healing process. Mm. So in that type, the person's talking to me the whole time. And mm-hmm. some hypnotherapists work in that style all the time. Okay. Like they're, they're always having their client check in with them. So it just depends. But in general, you know, it is uh, pretty relaxed. Absolutely. It's yeah. Yeah. People really like it. Like they enjoy the actual process, you know, like, well, yes, yeah, you know, I could stay here for an hour and just sleep. They often <laughs> say or, it's so relaxing. It, it's, it's beneficial and it's healing on that level for the body as well. Yeah. And so f- for you, you know, leading up to using hypnosis in a session, like, is there that sort of like as in traditional counseling, like that building the relationship phase before you get to hypnosis or can it just be quick? Like, I'm just going to come to you for this one thing and you're going to hypnotize me. Yeah, I do both types, but anytime someone's in my office or actually even on the phone, Mm -hmm. we begin building the relationship Mm -hmm. because I need to know what they're dealing with. Right. I need to know where do they think it comes from? What are they facing? What is the anxiety going on? How did you grow up? So I'm doing generally a full intake Mm -hmm. assessment when they come to me. I'm also assessing what is their representational system. So are you visual, kinetic? Are you auditory? Mm -hmm. So that I'm making sure that the hypnosis fits with their preferred system so that it's more effective for them. Hmm. So I'm assessing on that level as well. Mm-hmm. But I definitely have some clients, let's say someone comes in for anxiety, and that is a combination therapy is what I call that, meaning we do cognitive behavior therapy, CBT, mm-hmm. and hypnosis and it is just one of the tools that we use. So I teach them different short brief tools they can use and then We're often doing a longer session of hypnosis, meaning like 20, 30 minutes interspersed between talk therapy sessions. Okay. And I noticed on your website too, that yes, it can help with specific phobias or problems, but that, Mm -hmm. that those childhood wounds. So I'm, I'm going to say like trauma, how does it help heal those traumatic wounds? I mean, I know you said you're having a conversation and you're talking them through, but What does Mm -hmm. hypnosis do that just say talking about it doesn't? Yes. Great question. (laughs) I love this question. (laughs) (laughs) So I find that hypnosis is faster process. So you can get a really good CBT therapist, cognitive behavior therapist, and they will get to the issue. They Mm. will get to the thoughts. They will get to the patterns that are coming up. But generally that takes them some time. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's a typical length of treatment for someone um, with, let's say, anxiety, yeah. with trauma base? 
What is that? Oh like my gosh. Years, it could be years. Weeks, right? It could be yeah. eight weeks. It could be years. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I do have those. I have longer term clients in my practice as well, where we're, you know, working on things at the cognitive level, right? The conscious level. Mm-hmm. So the conscious level is when you're talking and you're in that wakeful state, just like you and I are right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's the subconscious level when you are going into that brainwave state, that's meditation hypnosis, that same brainwave state where the subconscious is easier to access. It's more open. Mm. And we're going in there and rewriting some of those old beliefs that developed as a result of the trauma. So trauma, particularly when you're talking about um, older childhood trauma, I think it's a little bit different. You can actually let me know. But in adulthood, an adulthood trauma is slightly different, but also depends on what happened when, right? Sure, yeah. But particularly childhood trauma, children often develop these ideas about themselves, these beliefs about themselves as a result of that trauma that then they act on the rest of their lives, which don't serve them in adulthood as they grow up. Those stories that we have told ourselves about who we are and come to believe. And yet, a lot of times these are somebody else's stories that have sort of formed around whether it's, you know, parents or family or. Yes, right. There's those stories that perhaps sometimes come from other family members even. Mm -hmm. But then also, it's like children don't have the cognitive level to understand what's going on. Right. So the self-blame and the shame. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they believe that they were responsible yeah. or that something's inherently wrong with them, mm-hmm. that they were chosen because they're broken somehow. Yeah. So what we do in hypnosis is go in and say, okay, what were these beliefs that you formed? And now let's replace those with healthy beliefs. Let's mm-hmm. replace them with you know, good self-esteem and better functioning and beliefs that you're worthy mm-hmm. and that you have value. And then once that's aligned in the subconscious, that's much easier to act on in the conscious. So what I hear back from clients who have done this, and I went through this process myself to be trained in it, is they do have this sense that they can't even remember why they thought they were worthless. Like I had a client actually say that to me. Wow. I "I can't remember why I thought I was worthless. I just know it's gone. It's completely gone. I don't feel it at all. In fact, I was, you know, laughing with a friend and, and saying, why did I even think that? And whereas before it was just, he felt like it was so deeply embedded in him. Yeah. So that kind of result that I'm seeing that, that really, for me, gives the work that I do a lot of meaning and purpose. And again, I don't always understand the science behind that. I will say that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, I know we're laying down new neural pathways in the brain. <laughs> you know, I can say that. Yeah. But I also believe that there's this uh, spiritual component to it of transformation that happens. And that is a relationship with the client, between you and the client, it's trust developing and it's the hypnosis, the ability to go into that state. So that's an example of a result that can happen in, let's say, a matter of weeks or let's say, you know, four to six sessions that 
may not ever happen during talk therapy, or it may take years for someone to get to that point. Mm. So in my perspective, it's, it speeds it up. That sounds really transformative um, from the way you're describing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really lovely to see. I bet. I would imagine that would be amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very open about your own experience with postpartum depression. And I know this is something you specialize in. But it's also something that I think, one, people don't fully understand, but two, can be another sort of shaming, like not a good mother, you know, why am I feeling this way? So I just I just want to talk a little bit about the impact that, you know, anxiety or dep- depression have on sort of the perinatal experience. When clients are coming to you, when they're struggling, what is it that they come to you for? They are have just had a baby or about to have a baby and they're mm-hmm. not feeling 100%. Yeah, I think, well, I'd like to hear in your practice too, mm-hmm. how, this, how this comes up for women. But I know particularly in my practice, the shame around being a mother, often I see that more postpartum than prenatal. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely there sometimes prenatal, but it's also, I think a lot of women get, um, they're slower to seek treatment prenatal is what I find, unless they have a history of anxiety and depression, which we know are risk factors right. for prenatal anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. So if they have that history and they recognize the signs and they've gone off, let's say their medication that's been helpful for years, but they know they want to get pregnant, they're going off of it, and all these feelings come back, then often they don't have as as much of a sense of shame about it. They know this is my history. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. this is my history. And and now I've got to learn different tools to work through this, particularly if they've been on medication and they really didn't need those when they were on medication. And now occasionally I do have a mom who's, who will come in and perhaps they didn't want the pregnancy or they're unsure about it or they're unsure about the future. And sometimes that will come up. But generally I see more shame and I would say despair about they're mothering postpartum because then the baby's there. It's sort of theoretical beforehand, right? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And and they're thinking I'm sleeping a lot, but I don't know if this is depression yet. So there's slower to seek treatment because during pregnancy, you're sleeping a lot and you're crying all the time anyway. Right. 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 So if you know you have a history, you know what that feels like. And you're like, Oh, I need some help. But if you don't, then often you're like, I don't know when I should get help or not. Mm, yeah. So I think that delays them coming in for treatment. And I wonder if you're pregnant and maybe you're not feeling as mothering as you think you should or hoped you would. You're like, well, when the baby comes, this is all going to come together. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to be a great mom and it's just going to happen. Yes. And, and then because that's what we're told. <laughs> yeah. As women, like you just know how to be a mom. And it's like, okay, well, what if you don't? <laughs> or what if it's hard? Yes. And I 
when I owned a prenatal yoga company, I taught prenatal yoga for 15 years Mm -hmm. and we would do a circle time at the beginning of the class. Mm -hmm. So I have heard thousands of women talk about pregnancy. Mm, I bet. And what I found in the environment I tried to create was this openness about talking about what's going on during pregnancy. So I would say more often than not, women are like, why aren't I feeling mothering? Mm-hmm. You know, like it was actually a smaller percentage of women who are like, yep, I feel amazing. I'm loving this baby, you know, like it's an X level and everything's going to be great. And no, I would say the vast majority <laughs> of them were like, you know, what the F is going on here? Okay? Like my body is changing. You know, <laughs> this is awful. I have all these aches and pains. I, you know, I don't even feel pregnant, even though I know I am. Mm. It was much more that kind of feeling. And again, perhaps that's because I created the environment to talk about it. You know, more women than not had some anxiety about what was going to happen and what kind of mother they were going to be. But yeah, at that point, it is all theoretical. Mm-hmm. Like even I know with my first one, I certainly, I mean, I was 10 months pregnant. I couldn't visualize what the baby looked like in there. I couldn't do it. Like when I'm <laughs> off with sonogram, I can't see anything on a sonogram. I think like, you know, a head is a foot. and <laughs> So it was really theoretical until the baby was out. My second one, I was a little bit better, but I was like, I don't know what's in there. You know, yeah. I I something is. Yeah, but. something's growing because I'm getting bigger, but I'm not I'm sure what it is. Exactly. I'm hoping it's a baby that comes out, you know? So when the baby's there afterwards, and then you're crying all the time, which, you know, you do have a period of oh, um, yeah. baby blues yep. right, that goes on. You're mm-hmm. crying because they'll have to work someday, or you're crying because you're not sleeping. Up. <laughs> yeah, they woke up. You're like, no, Um, you know, like all these different feelings coming up, then it's more real. And women begin to do, they do begin to feel a sense of shame often or questioning their mother, their mothering, particularly when they're exhausted and they just want to sleep and the baby's awake. And it is the rare mom who's like, oh, thank God. The baby's awake and I'm exhausted. You know, like really it is. But those do exist. I remember this one time when I was going around the circle and it was a mom who's taking the class for the second time. She's a second time mom and she said, you know, for my first, I felt like I was just being given a beautiful gift and I was on vacation for three months, her mm. leave. And I was so happy every time he woke up. And I was like, that is not postpartum depression. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's also not the norm. Right. Like most moms feel like they're a little bit of a mess in the, in the beginning. Oh my gosh. Well, and so talk about the difference between, you know, cause you'd mentioned people get baby blues. You do get tearful. You're not getting enough sleep. Your hormones are way out of whack. If you're breastfeeding, you feel like a milking machine. Like what, what's the difference between that and postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety? Yes. So let me do this off the top of my head. So I'm going to, you know, tell everybody I don't have the symptoms sitting right in front of me. (laughs) The qualitative difference is generally that period passes. So 
officially, they say within two weeks. And I think that's just insanity, to yeah. tell you the truth. Yeah. I think it's much closer to six weeks to, to um, three months. Mm-hmm. But certainly within three months or so, if you're still not feeling like yourself, if you're still feeling detached, if you're looking at the baby like they are like an alien from another planet, mm. or you don't want to take care of them, or you just find that you're crying all the time, or you're so anxious that, you know, when people say, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps, you're like, that is impossible. Yeah. Right? That's impossible. Right. right. Or you're pacing the house and you have all these fears. The, you know, at some point, I don't know when they did the study, this was several years ago. But they did a study to where it was something like, I don't know, 80% of women had the these sort of compulsive fears in those first six months after a baby is born, wow. particularly around cleanliness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we look at it like that, it's like, okay, that's not OCD, right? It's 80% of women. To be a disorder, it has to be a minority. Right, <laughs> right. Like, So realize a lot of that is going to go on. But then what happens is you begin to return to normal functioning. You Mm -hmm. begin to just sort of live your life again and the baby is part of it and and you feel good about them and you feel good about your life. If that's not happening, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, you need to get some help for that. And there is help. There's all kinds of help for that. Well, and it sounds like from your website, too, that, that hypnosis can help with that, too. Yes. So I will use it as a tool when I'm doing postpartum treatment. Mm -hmm. Generally, it's more focusing on interpersonal relationships. You know, what kind of support can you get? What are the thoughts going on? Yes. But but I'll use it as, you know, it's one tool in my toolbox. Well, and I think for women who do struggle with postpartum depression or anxiety, like there is so much of that shame part of it that I just should know what to do, or I should just feel this amazing, uncomplicated love for this child. And when you don't, it's hard to reach out. It's hard to say this isn't, this isn't right, or something's not okay. Yes, yes. And you've, you've got to judge that for yourself, too. Again, I think it's the smallest minority of women who like look at the baby and boom mm-hmm. ah there's love <laughs> like you know like like most women it grows over time yeah this is a human being it's a relationship yeah. and that's going to grow over time and, and do you have a base level of love for this tiny creature that you created yes you do but that day-to-day grows over time and particularly it varies with women um you know, they talk about this more for dads, actually, or let's say the partner of when the child starts to like walk and talk, things get a, a lot easier because they have a personality, mm-hmm. right? And so then the fathers will begin to bond with them more. And I think that's true of some women as well. Oh, yeah. I can remember having, clearly remember having discussions with friends who like there were some who like the infant was the stage they loved the most, you know, this little mm-hmm. tiny baby and other people were like, that was terrible. I just I couldn't even bond with my baby until they were smiling and, you know, more animated and yes, more of a person. Absolutely. And I know that was the case for myself. 
I'm not a baby person. Mm. And I have a Kindle book on Amazon where I talk about my early motherhood. And that's one of the chapters is that I'm not a baby person. Mm. Like, they are so boring to me and it's so backbreaking. And, it, you know, it's just drudgery. Yeah. Right? Those, <laughs> until they yeah. start to like talk and imagination comes in. And that's when I feel like, oh, my God. Yeah. Now I light up. But the whole expectation, so just even hearing you saying that out loud, like I'm not a baby person. For women, I feel like we're not supposed to say stuff like that. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Right? I know particularly, let's say when your you know, mother-in-law is sitting there going, oh my God, they're so amazing. <laughs> you know, I had like an angel mother-in-law who loves babies. Yeah. Thank God. But, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm sitting there watching her with like, what? Like, what? You know, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that is part of what led to some of my depression was that sense of shame around, I had all these ideas about who I was going to be as a mother and I was going to be the best mother. And, Mm. you know, I had all this training and child psychology and family, all this stuff. And then Right. Boom. I'm supposed you know? to be the expert at all this, right? Yeah. Could someone please make her sleep? You know, that's that my primary concern. Right? Not her psychological health. Like, someone please make her take a nap. You know? uh, well, I, I just love that you normalize that whole experience and share your own story with it. I mean, I, I, I know that I didn't recognize, I have three kids and I did not recognize that I struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety until my third child. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I survived. Like I had two uh-huh. kids right in a row, you know, 17 months apart. So I really Ooh. didn't have much time to think for the first two. And then yeah. there was a, a big break between the middle child and my youngest. And that time around, I was like, oh, <laughs> I think maybe yeah. I was depressed that time too. <laughs> Well, that's like Irish twins will set anyone into depression. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you supposed to not be depressed? Oh, man. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Two little ones that close together. Yeah. Jeez. It was a lot yeah. of work. A lot of work. <laughs> so do you have tips or resources that you feel like it would be important to share with the listeners today? One tip that people find helpful for anxiety is what we call an eye roll. So when you roll your eyes upward, it actually is a physiological signal to the body that interrupts that anxiety pattern. So it's a quick tip that I teach in my practice from time to time. And basically what you do is you literally like roll your eyes up and you stare up in between your eyebrows and take a very deep breath in as you do that. And then hold the breath and hold the extension of your eyeballs. And now see if you can hold your eyes upward while slowly fluttering your eyelids closed. So then once you flutter the eyelids closed, you can then use some imagery to drift as if you're like floating on a cloud or floating in a pool. And that's an easy way to break that anxiety pattern and put yourself into like a very brief sort of self-hypnotic state. And when you feel comfortable, then you can do that, you know, a couple of minutes, not very long at all, just that imagery. Mm -hmm. And then you open the eyes and take a deep breath and you go about your way. Wow, I love that. 
There are a couple of websites. Mm-hmm. So if you are struggling with prenatal or postpartum depression, you go to Postpartum Support International. It's a good one. They have all kinds of resources there or postpartum.net. Those are two really good websites for that. In terms of hypnosis, Mm -hmm. you're welcome to check out my own website, drlizhypnosis.com, and that's a D-R-L-I-Z, hypnosis.com. And there are, if you join the newsletter, you actually get three hypnosis files, and one of them is for pregnancy, to have a better pregnancy. Oh, nice. So it's not advertised on the site because you can only put so many words in that little box, you know? Yes. <laughs> but you get one, you can get a free hypnosis to decrease fear and anxiety, to increase emotional stability, and for a better pregnancy. Oh, awesome. So all, all three of those are there on the thank you page. Okay. And then you too have a podcast, yes? I do. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My podcast is called Hypnotize Me. And you can listen to it on any player you like, or you can listen to it on my website. And I absolutely love doing it. It is all about hypnosis, transformation, and healing. And it's mm-hmm. going on two years, well, a year and a half now. Wow. Hit two years in November. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate so much your being a guest today. Do you have any um, upcoming projects or things that you would like the listeners to know about? Let's see. Um, not really, just my standard. I do a YouTube channel. If you want to look at that, I'm about to do a video series on tips on raising teens. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So that'll be, I don't know, four or five videos. Cool. And there's all kinds of information on there as well about inner child hypnosis or the core healing mm. and you know, some videos are briefer than others. I try to keep them under two minutes, but sometimes that's hard. And um, that's about it. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. I will um, include all of the resources on in the show notes on my website. And um, I really appreciate your taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Bonnet. I found her so easy to talk to and really enjoyed the conversation myself. I think it really made me um, more intrigued about hypnosis and the process of how it can help you overcome childhood wounds, but also just manage anxiety on a daily basis. And I hope that you enjoyed her little tip, the eye roll tip. So um, all of the resources as always will be in the show notes. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.